Hello, my friends, and welcome to this edition of the New World Kirtan Podcast. It's Saturday, February 4th, 2023. I'm Kitsy Stern, and I produce this podcast as an act of love and service to our global Kirtan family. Hello, friends. I hope this finds you healthy and doing well. If the dark days are getting you down, take heart, because on Wednesday, we celebrated Imbolc, an ancient Celtic holiday that celebrates the beginning of spring. This holiday traditionally marks the midway point between winter solstice and the spring equinox. So the light is coming back big time now. There's a set to the Divine Mother to celebrate Imbolc up on Spotify at the New World Kirtan page, if you'd like to listen. Life is good here. I hope the same for you. This edition of the podcast is an interview with Dave Stringer, Madi Das, and Sean Johnson about the very exciting news that Madi and Dave's CD, Mantra Americana, has been nominated for a Grammy Award. <laughs> Dave, Madi, and Sean will tell you about the process behind getting the Grammy's New Age category renamed to include chant for the very first time how the pandemic helped with that process and led to the birth of the Oracle Collective. As you probably recall, I've been telling you about that project in the last several podcasts. Then we'll hear about the mashup of musical influences that gave birth to this extraordinary album, Mantra Americana, and how Dave and Madi feel about going back to the Grammys for the second time. The chants on the CD are so rich musically, I just know you're going to love it. Now it's Saturday, and the Grammys are tomorrow night. So let's send the guys all our love and best wishes. Uh, And if you have a minute, don't forget to give the New World Kirtan podcast a rating on iTunes. It will help more people to find us. Until next time, my friends, be well. Namaste. Today, I am here with Dave Stringer and Madi Das and Sean Johnson, and we are going to talk about uh, <laughs> Kirtan is going to the Grammys again, and uh, Dave and Madi's album, Mantra Americana, has been nominated for a Grammy. And so we are here today to talk about how all this came about. It, it, it's exciting, isn't it? Aren't you guys excited? Yeah, super excited. Um, I bet, yeah. Still, still soaking it in. It's, it's a bit surreal, and and um, you know, because it, it all just you know, one day you're kind of wondering what's coming tomorrow, and then the next day we're working, waking up to a bunch of texts. Wow, I, it must have been really something. When will you know? When will the decision be made? Uh, that's on awards night uh, in February. I think it's February fifth when the Grammy uh, awards uh, ceremonies happen. So they'll open an envelope. The, the Academy won't even know. It's it outsourced the ca- the tabulation to Deloitte or, or a similar agency, and then uh, then yeah, we we find out when you find out. <laughs> in February. Well, at least it's not that long to wait, but it must seem like forever when you're the one waiting. But um, wow. There's two periods of waiting. There's already been an initial cut 
So uh, we're asked to listen to around 150 different submissions in mm-hmm. the category. And so a vote was taken in October that cut it down to five finalists. So this is really the second vote. And a certain period of intensity really begins now, between now mm-hmm. and voting begins December 14th, ends January 4th, and then everybody waits until February 5th to find out. And, and so just for your listeners, uh, because uh, I often get asked who votes for the Grammys, uh, I think one of the points of pride the Recording Academy has is that this is an award that really is voted for by the peers, um, especially now with the, they've removed um, committees. At, at some point, there was committees that would pre-sort, um, and then the, the broader voter uh, population would only vote on the final nominees. Um, but really, you have to be a, a registered voter a member of the academy who is a musician or a recording artist or a producer or an engineer. It's not something that's voted by the labels or non, non-artists. So it's meaningful. interviewed you guys back in 2016 and uh it's up on the website i just listened to it again so what's the evolution from 2016 tell me how we go from there to this next phase of you being nominated again how did we get here sean sean probably should speak to this i think you know we had some initial realizations post the grammys about just you know being in uh, the new age genre field uh, that that chant historically has been um, but at that time, there hadn't been any chant artists win in that category. You know, Christian Oz had been nominated, um, Jay Utah had been nominated. Um, but we kind of just did a little bit of a postmortem and asked ourselves if we really thought um, it would, it, our album was the best new age album. And, and frankly, the realization we came to is that it, is, it isn't new age music. So it's really hard to ask voters to vote us as the best new age album. Um, and so Dave and I got talking and, 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 and then here's where I'll pass to Sean about some, some broader advocacy work that, that was done. Yeah, several years ago, I started a conversation with a number of different artists from different genres whose music is traditionally placed under the umbrella of the New Age category in the Recording Academy. These included fellow chant artists, <clears throat> ambient artists, as well as solo instrumentalists. And the thing that we all had in common, even though we create different kinds of music, the thing that we all had in common is a sense of feeling like New Age is not a name or a label that we use to describe our music, and yet it was always being placed inside this category. And we hoped to come up with a solution by renaming the category that would honor the artists that do identify with New Age who are making really beautiful New Age music, but also really definitively creates a home for the majority of the other artists whose music is placed inside this category. 
uh, to the point where they feel like, oh yeah, this is my plot. This is my spot. This is my place. <laughs> and so we started a process and I want to, I want I think it's really important to credit the people that were involved. So I want to name the people that were part of this effort. So Michael Starita, who's an ambient artist and producer, really spearheaded the effort initially. Uh, he wrote the proposal along, along with myself, Catherine Marie Charlton, who's a wonderful solo pianist, and Maridas. And we had other contributors along the way, including Greg Papania, an ambient artist, Nancy Rumble, who's a former New Age Grammy winner, Robin Spielberg, who's a wonderful solo pianist, uh, Falu Shah, who's a classically trained Indian vocalist and composer, Michael Whalen. Along the way, we found out that Maridas was putting feelers out to the Academy about the possibility of creating a sacred chant category. And we joined forces with Maridas and then with Dave, and they found out about our effort, and we decided to all join together. Uh, and Dave, Maridas, and I began a really intensive effort to reach out to particularly our chant community and gather support, find out who was interested, who was enthusiastic and supported the proposal. And what we found out was about 99% of our peers were gung-ho and supported the proposal and agreed to endorse it and be named as signatories uh, to really back it up. Some of the strongest of our supporters were actually the chant artists that have been nominated for a Grammy in the past who were very honored by the nomination, but also just felt like there was a disconnect as far as the name for the category and the name attached to their nomination. And they were really enthusiastic to support this proposal and have the name changed. That included Jayutal and Krishna Das and Sanatam Kaur and David Pramal and obviously Mahdi Das and, and Dave as well. This was a process, uh, you know, anybody who's a member of the Recording Academy can write a proposal to make a significant change like this. And uh, it's also a lot of work and a lot of effort. So we went through many, many drafts, many revisions, lots of meetings, listening to constructive feedback that finally landed on a new name for the category which and the field, which would be Best New Age Ambient or Chant Album. And the Academy took that proposal through their process, which includes lots of meetings, you know, amongst peers, reviewing it and uh, deciding whether it's something that's worth passing and ratifying. And where they landed this summer, we got the news was that they, they approved it and uh, made the change and announced it, you know, in their press release to the world, that this was one of uh, a series of changes that we're making uh, this year uh, and moving forward that would really create a home that was more diverse and more inclusive for this category. Some of the things that the proposal really addressed uh, that uh, we feel really good about, it resolved the issue of New Age, you know, really not functioning as a singular unifying umbrella term that defines, you know, most, if not all of the music in the category. Uh, it accurately names the majority of music in the category, which is majority ambient chant or New Age. And it continues to honor the artists who do identify with the name and the legacy of New Age. 
while also recognizing the artists who create ambient and chant recordings who don't identify with that, that term. It promotes the diversity and the equity and inclusion, which is a really important initiative that the Academy has taken on over the last few years by avoiding the mislabeling of indigenous folk and spiritual music traditions and ad adaptations whose roots predate New Age, the term New Age. We had a number of South Asian artists who supported our proposal who actually, you know, were very confused by and at worst offended by the word New Age being named for their own culture and family's music, which goes back thousands of years and is in fact very old uh, and, and ancient. And it just, to them, it didn't make sense uh, and, and felt in a sense like a slight for their music to be labeled as New Age. The other thing that we did was we rewrote the de definition and the description of the music in the category that really created a much more kind of welcoming field for all of the new age chant and ambient artists within the category. Yeah, the process of just getting the name changed also involved rallying the support of like every chant artist that we could find. And one of the things that was exciting was to reach out to the community. And I think we reached out to over 400 artists that um, that could be considered chant artists and got their backing for this. And so, you know, the problem of trying to get our music recognized via a name itself was, you know, trying to figure out, well, what's the name was another thing too. And chant had a wider resonance, you know, because beyond the Hindu and Sikh oriented things that the Kirtan community is, is you know, is identified with, you know, there's Hebrew chant, there's Navajo chant, there's Yoruba chant, there's there's all kinds of world chant. So that that was a name people could get behind because it was an inclusive name. Um, but we reached out to the world in order to support this. And that itself was a really amazing undertaking. Uh, a lot of this was happening, especially in the latter part of it during the pandemic, when actually people weren't on tour and a, a sense of community was really missing because people weren't at music festivals together. We weren't really seeing each other. So um, the process of reaching out to people created a sense of community or, 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 it, or it helped pull together a sense of community around chant. And, and that was a really powerful thing. Sean and Michael Starita and Madi and some other people really drove the proposal. I mean, my part of it was really kind of rallying the troops and providing some research and some, you know, background to it, because that was also part of the proposal. I mean, they they needed info, statistics, mm -hmm. and, you know, that was a, a rigorous process. I think Sean and Madi can more speak to how it went down to, like, actually write the thing and then rewrite it and then rewrite it and then, you know. So where we land is, you know, really in a very gratifying place because the Grammys is still a really important kind of cultural musical institution. And to see our music chant music reflected, you know, in the mirror of that institution for the first time to have a home, a name that's named there, uh, rather than sort of being stuck under an umbrella that, you know, many of us were not comfortable 
uh, being stuck under, it's just very rewarding. And it feels like there's this sense of respect and this sense of, uh, of having a place, our music having a place. And it's very empowering, you know, in a sense. community process and uh, that was really healthy and reflective of like what we do it's the message of our music right and this was the beginnings of the oracle collective wasn't it yeah kind of sort of it you know i think it'd been kicking around for a little while like how could we with the various changes in the music industry you know somehow they've made our music free and we used to you know those of us who are touring artists sometimes you could sell a thousand bucks worth of cds a night on the road and then all of a sudden the CDs collapsed, it became streaming, and streaming royalties have never made up the difference. So we started trying to look at what we could do as a community to work together in our best interests. And one of those first things turned out to be to get our music recognized as a genre. That was really the first success because it wasn't really even searchable before this. Well, I just wanted to share that um, one thing that was just really really cool for me both in the process of the proposal of collaborating and working alongside other artists uh, both within you know the chant community and beyond uh, and then that's extended on into the oracle collective efforts is just this sense of not feeling alone you know as a as an artist as a musician i feel like sometimes there's a a mentality where you're a lone wolf, you know, and you're independent, you're indie, you know, and you're doing your thing and you're in your cave and, and it's you against the world. And, and to be able to work collaboratively, to listen to one another, to have conversations, to join forces, to uplift each other, you know, in this really cooperative way, I, f I felt like the proposal process was a little microcosm, you know, of that. And it's like it was a project that we all poured our energy into. And then, you know, after um, that effort, you know, Dave reached out and, and, and invited me to see if I wanted to be a part of kind of building Oracle, this idea that he has seeded, you know, for, for years now and create an actual more formal collective that would be larger of musicians that instead of feeling like, we're by ourselves, you know, can work together collaboratively and cooperatively to support each other, to uplift each other, to um, disrupt some of the systems that, you know, are not in our favor. And man, that, that's been amazing. 
an amazing revelation. You know, uh, one of the blessings and the silver linings of the pandemic is to work together like this. And uh, so I would say that the proposal effort was definitely like a catalyst for Oracle really take blasting off, you know, in a sense, Dave, would you say that? Yeah, because it it gave us a sense of the community, the size of it. It also quite practically put together a list of how to reach out and contact all of us. But it was also an exercise in 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 what can happen if everybody works together. I don't think the academy would have responded if we hadn't really shown them that there was a community behind this that has interrelationships and you know like it wasn't just a bunch of random people. It was an actual social and cultural force. Mm. So you know, that started the ball rolling. I mean, some of the ideas about Oracle had been knocking around for years, but, you know, it often takes an event that catalyzes the whole thing and renaming the category to include chant was really that catalyst. And it it just got a conversation going. Then we started thinking like, what other things can we do as a community to you know, utilize our common strength. And one of those things was the Spotify experiment where what we were doing was getting everybody, all of the artists audience to simultaneously follow this group of artists to kind of create an algorithmic matrix between everybody so that the streaming services would recognize chant. And so that chant music would get recommended more often uh, we also wanted to create a mechanism by which people could learn about other artists that they hadn't heard of. So when all of a sudden the first 108 artists that were involved in this, we put them all in a giant playlist and people would follow the playlist. It just took one click. Uh, Kamini Natarajan, uh, one of our partners in Oracle and her husband, or Chandrasekhar, invented a piece of software that allowed you to follow all the artists with a single click which was really made it easy for people, but it also meant that your feed started showing you artists that you never mm. listened to before. So it's also become a mechanism to help identify uh, and promote uh, the voices of new artists. Some artists experienced, I think we figured an average of 280% increase in followers. Wow. Um, so particularly people who were lesser known really received a big boost. 
and it, it just also got people talking and you know it's a it's an ongoing experiment uh, uh the next thing that we're working on is software that will allow everybody to follow all the artists youtube channels oh very um, cool with a single click yeah so um there's a lot of things in the works on it and um but suffice it to say that this process of changing the category name has resulted in real tangible efforts of artists to cooperate and work together. And I'm personally excited about where that's going. And I'm excited even the way Oracle is coming together is there's an interesting kind of democratic grassroots process of it. And, uh, and that's exciting too. You know, there's, there's possibly some really revolutionary aspects to how we can create an artist cooperative, um, how we can represent everybody's voices, how we can lift everybody economically, you know, how, how, how do groups of people cooperate, you know, for our, our collective benefit? It, it comes straight out of the music that we're making. That's the thing. There's a through line between what chant does and what it stands for and and essentially our operating system with oracle I want to get to the, to the CD because, you, you know, a great integration uh, of so many different kinds of influences. And I, I love so many things about it. And I just like, again, did the pandemic make this possible as well? I mean, how did this, how did the CD come, Mantra Americana, how did that come together? I'll bounce the ball to Monty first, so. Yeah, well, um, uh, it... It felt like the it's a CD hit time had come. Um, after the first album, I moved to Australia with my family and it took a while to get set up uh, and I had a number of tunes, but finding the opportunity to to record and also wanting to to, to see some change uh, in the in the category name itself kind of put things on the back burner. Uh, but I do remember even before the pandemic meeting with Dave in, in LA in, in November, 2019 and and saying look i think it might be time uh, to dust off uh, the bhakti without borders band and um and record some new music that i've that i've had in my in my mind and, and dave uh, immediately said of course we've been wanting you know christian and him have been wondering when the next album was coming uh and dave has been a, an incredible collaborator producer partner but also artist in taking whatever I have in my my mind as a seedling and just nurturing it into something that's so much more and so much more, um, uh, I guess, uh, evolved uh, and capturing both the DNA of what I started with, but also bringing his own musicality and, and traditions. And, and so what we found with the pandemic was it allowed us to really hold everything up under a microscope and experiment to play a little bit more to you know i'll do several versions of a take of something and he'll say well i'm going to try a little instrument here and 
Maybe we'll try a harmonica. Who knows? Worst thing that happens, we just delete it. Um, mm -hmm. It was incredibly labor intensive, especially on Dave's part uh, with the producing. But it, I think that final product is, has a lot more of our, our, our blood, sweat and tears and DNA in it. Um, there's a lot more opportunity to be creative and explorative when you aren't under the pressure of, well, whatever you got to record, you got to record it in the studio session. And when we're done, we're done. It's all interwoven and you can't change it uh, very right. much. Uh, right. So from my perspective, it's been, you know, something that clearly the pandemic did have a positive benefit to. Um, and we worked through the challenges uh, and got an incredible group of artists to collaborate um, who I mean, I, like I said uh, to you earlier, I have not seen any of them in real life, uh, apart from Ali, Ali, who lives in Australia. <laughs> Ali, I've met, but no one else have I actually seen face to face since uh, before the pandemic. It turned out to be a springboard to creativity. We we, for, we were fortunate that we'd made a record before together, so we had an established rapport. But now, like both of us had to learn how to use Pro Tools and so that we could share sessions, so that Monty could record stuff, I could record stuff, we could bounce it back and forth and you know edit the tracks and so the conversation, you know, became focused on the, the sessions themselves. And, you know, that changed. There was, a, I would say, a more deliberative process. The, the first record, Bhakti Without Borders, was recorded largely in a weekend and then edited and elaborated on over that time. But this this sprawled out through a different set of, of uh a different kind of timeline, but we also didn't really have any pressure to like get it done because we were all kind of in the void of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I was super grateful to have this because uh, for me, and I think for a lot of artists who had been touring a lot, all of a sudden the pandemic, pandemic just ended the tour. And, you know, there were just in talking to some of my peers and speaking for myself, some catastrophic sort of inner meltdowns of just like, okay, I'm staring at the void now. I don't know who I am or what this means without an audience to respond to. What does my music mean? You know, like as a chant artist, you're so used to like the call and the response and it comes right back to you. And all of a sudden now we're trying to make music into like, I don't know, some, yeah. some strange abyss, huh. you know? So having, dialogue with Mahdi across the Pacific Ocean and across multiple time zones, well, I was collaborating and that was incredibly important to have a, a, that relationship, you know, uh, having this to dive into, like, 
you know, kind of kept me sane. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you mind if I ask a question about the album? Um, Mantra Americana, was that, a, was that a concept that you had before you started to create the music or did it reveal itself while you were making it uh, in terms of the instrumentation you were choosing? And, and uh, that's my first part of the question. And the other is, man, the, the lap steel and the harmonica and, and just the way that you wove together the instrumentation from India, you know, and from American folk music, I thought was really beautiful, you know, and uh, it, it created this um, bhav, you know, this this mood that was really uplifting and uh, playful at times, deep, sweet, uh, some longing in there that a lot of slide instruments can create. And I'd just love to hear like a little bit more about y'all's intention around the blend, you know, that you created and the concept of the album as a whole. I'll speak to the first part and maybe Dave, you can jump in on the, on the second a bit, but it was kind of a conversation both ways where we started making the songs and be, by virtue of, I play percussion and, and knew the melodies, I would lay that down. And it was, Dave would hear that and add slide harmonica, things like that, that it just naturally based on the music, musical instruments, Dave and I knew how to play, which was the, the basis for this. Uh, based on our backgrounds and our musical influences, it became this flavor. We we didn't have anyone else we could work with. We were in a pandemic. We're on Zoom, um, and you look at if you, 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 listening online, you won't know this, but you know Dave's got music, musical instruments in the back of, of the Zoom. I mean, he looks around and goes, "What sounds good? And what do we have?" And it was kind of a genre of necessity that then when we we stepped back and said, "What is this that we've created?" Um, and 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 the, the name Mantra Americana came out. Um, incidentally, then the reverse happened when we created the art, uh, the, the the graphic design for the art of the album, where um, the uh, our wonderful designers uh, Neha and Shrin created this image of a a peacock to represent India with a banjo in the middle. Uh, and Dave's like, we don't have any banjo. Uh, and then that went retrospectively back, and we put banjo in on two tracks that really transform those songs so it, it was really i want to yeah. say an organic process it wasn't like what do we do if we let's do a mashup it's like well we are a mashup and what flows from us is this kind of music that's authentic to us same time i also want to you know address the influences of it too there i feel like we're moving into another generation of chant now initially uh people were responding very heavily to you know the indian influences from where it came and you had a lot of people trying to make indian-ish things okay and there's a lot of questions about authenticity and tradition 
And, you know, the tradition of, of Kirtan has actually always been recombinant. It's always taken in new influences, whether that was like Muslim influences, like the arrival of skinned drums like Madungam and, and Tabla that, you know, had their origin in really the Muslim and especially the Persian world. Things like harmoniums came from like the English. Kirtan has never been orthodox. It's always been inclusive. It's like, well, what do you got? Oh, that sounds cool. And, and so when we start adding other things to it, we're actually participating. We are the tradition. But it's funny to get this pushback from people like, well, that doesn't sound like Indian Kirtan. It's like, well, I'm not Indian, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, I lived in an ashram for two years. I mean, I got the Dharma from that experience. Monty grew up in India, but he's not Indian either. And, you know, to extend this and include Sean in, in this conversation, it's like, it's not just about this record. Mantra Americana, in a sense, stands for like, a, it's, it's trans, it, maybe it speaks to like a genre that we're all creating. I mean, if I listen to Sean's music, I mean, he's from New Orleans. He can't right. throw that out. That's part of the sound. <laughs> and and, and yeah. who's to say that you can't have a horn section or, you know, like that? We're just doing what Kirtan really does. And people are surprised by it. They're like, well, that's not traditional. I'm like, well, what do you mean by mm. tradition? Mm. What do you mean by authentic? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, I mean, the 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 end it defines the means and if kirtan is a method of connecting and inspiring whatever you need to do with the music that inspires and connects is the tradition so if you're bringing people together and they're hearing your music and feeling something spiritual and uplifting and positive inside or it's connecting them to other people through that medium that is what Kirtan is meant to do. It's meant to just bring people together. And it's it's almost irrelevant, the technique. It's about sincerity. It's about intent and and making uh, uh, an, an outward vibrative representation of that connection with something bigger. Dave, I often think of what you said about how your goal is to connect with the with the person who came to the kirtan but also to pull her boyfriend in who came along because he wasn't really too enthusiastic but you know he thought he'd check it out and you know whatever it takes whatever she promised to go to the football game with him <laughs> yeah, so. yeah but i'm with you it's like if it's going to take a horn section if it's going to take a gospel choir if it's going to take banjo to make it more relatable the thing is, is the magic of this music is that it doesn't matter. It's the chance. It's the Sanskrit. It's the it's the effect that it has on the on the human that is singing it, and that effect is is beneficial, especially now with with everything that we're. I mean, the information overload is just really overwhelming, and this helps. This helps. Yeah, I think that is a silver lining in not having uh, English lyrics on our album. People actually don't have one more thing to think about. They can just yeah. intuitively soak in interlingual, international, doesn't matter where you're from. Humans understand that language of music. You can put it on and a baby who can't speak will start dancing. Yeah. Yeah. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Krishna, Krishna, Hare, Hare. 
I mean, we're we're extending a vocabulary that we we started exploring with the first Bhakti Without Borders record, and um, you know, I remember at first being like, "Well, why are you asking me?" Like, you know, and and I remember Madi basically saying, "I don't want to make a record that sounds like all the other Hari Krishna records." And so, what that meant initially was taking like you don't hear guitar in traditional Vaishnava chants; you just don't. There's a lot of merdungam, there's a lot of kartals, there's a lot of harmonium and stuff, but to like actually play a chording instrument and then to sing harmonies on top of it, that's definitely, that puts it in like American country and folk and bluegrass. Krishna, Krishna. I think we both recognize that all this music is modal, okay? It because American country music and bluegrass is coming also out of the Irish tradition, um, and those kinds of melodies are also modal. So we heard a resonance between these different forms of modal devotional music, and it, it just felt natural. I mean, I got in trouble in India because I would always start singing harmonies on the chants mm -hmm. and they were like, you can't do that. And I was like, well, I just did, you know? And they're like, that's your ego. I was like, no, it's my bliss actually. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I grew up singing in church choirs to like yeah. sing gospel harmonies. Like that's, that's how I'm expressing myself devotionally. It's natural. It's what comes out. And, and so really Madi and I were just responding to our own authentic traditions. We weren't trying to make a point. We we're just being who we are. And, and, and then somehow seeing that this whole huge experiment that's going on in the West with Kirtan is, is reflective of a lot of people starting to say, well, this is, this is where I'm coming from. This is who I am. And this is how I respond to this music. So one thing kind of leads to another, but that's, that's how the sound came about. Uh, the difference between Bhakti Without Borders and Mantra Americana is Bhakti Without Borders was a series of duets between uh, Mahdi and some really outstanding singers from the Vaishnav tradition. I didn't really sing a note on it, I don't think. I have maybe a couple of harmonies someplace, but you know, but not that much. 
Whereas the second record is Madi singing with a vocal quartet of which I am one member. And we're emphatically, in this case, saying there is a vocal American tradition of harmony singing, gospel choirs, Appalachian stuff, you know, like that's in our DNA. And it turns out to fit really nicely on traditional mm. Indian melodies. Somehow mm. it works. Mm. Uh, I was going to ask, uh, one of my favorite things about the album is the melodies, the vocal melodies. And are those traditional melodies or a blend of traditional with original? Uh, it's and, uh, it's a bit of both. I've always had my, my take on, like my spin on the... Um, interestingly, a story about Hare Krishna is originally... Um, it was, it, it was a melody that I created for some English lyrics uh, and, you know, based on a prayer that a saint had, which was, you know, I am yours, Lord, only yours, if you wish, make me dance. And it was kind of that melody. And I was washing pots one day and I was like, I think I think this may be I had a different Hare Krishna melody, actually, and for the album that I was planning. And I just thought this one sounds right for the, the the trajectory we were going it kind of you know you start with a plan and and and, and it, it adjusts as the, the music has a, has a life of its own um, a lot of them are melodies that aren't necessarily tied to the songs that i'm singing them for so what i've i've done is taken my favorite hooks if you will like cherry picked from all the songs i know and i'm like i'm going to only make songs out of the best parts of those melodies so really focusing on, let's just take all the hooks and make one of these hooks into the verse, one of them into the bridge, one of them into the, so most <laughs> of the songs have three or four really catchy sections and 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 no boring sections, because I, I I realize we have, you know, 30 seconds to catch the, the listener on Spotify. We got to start the vocals early, get to the hook, make sure we're not being skipped. Uh, and that's really kind of how we ended up with the melody. So a lot of the people who I grew up with who are familiar with melodies, they're seeing them in a different way. It's kind of mashing them up together. Like, I haven't heard that melody with that mantra uh, or those two, three sections bang together. So it, we really are kind of cannibalizing the tradition in, a, in the best way, which is like memorializing that, but at the same time, turning it into something new. Ooh.
so to close it up, you guys have been to the Grammys before. And are you, is there anything that you're looking forward to if you go again? Well, I'm better prepared at this time for the fact that it's showbiz and that you're part of a show. Mm. And um, that what what you see isn't necessarily what goes on behind the curtains. And just so everybody knows, there's there's a big award ceremony that happens that's not televised that goes on in the afternoon. Okay. And uh, and you gotta be there at like 5:30. And if you're not in, you're not getting in. And and at that point, like Bonnie and I had pretty cool seats, and you know, all of a sudden, I'm like that's Stevie Wonder, you know, and you feel like that. Yeah. And uh, so it's, and then there's kind of a great party afterwards, and it's all catered, and there were like circus acrobats and all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, set up for it. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think we've been, uh, and I don't want to sound passe, I, I, I actually would love to go, would love to see everybody finally see and celebrate the album right. with the, the band and with Dave. Um, so that would be a key highlight just to actually be in the room uh, and also honor the work that they all put into this album. So that would be a key highlight. And the other thing is I also recognize that this isn't the Mahdi and Dave show. I mean, we are also representing a broader community. And so, you know, when we're on the red carpet, that's chant on the red carpets. It's, and it's, and I, I, I feel that responsibility, you know, um, that we are actually, you know, carrying, uh, especially this year when it's the first time chant's been included, the, you know, to be a chant rep representative there, I think is really important to us, but also to the, to the whole community about what it represents. So I think that those are the two things. One, just on a purely social, um, loving to be, be able to see my friends and, and um, you know, laud the talented artists but also just um, be the representation for that moment. I just want to pick up on one other point here that Mahdi was making, is that if we can win a Grammy this time, the first time chant is recognized as a, as a category or included in the category, if we can do that, it opens the door for a lot of other people. Mm. And, you know, lightning seems to have struck us twice, which is itself amazing. Um, just in terms of this is the second nomination that we've had and we've made only we've, we've made two records together and both of them got nominated, which is just a miracle. That's, an, that's amazing. It's partly testimony to Madi's efforts. You know, I've been busy in the studio. Madi's done a lot of the outreach to people about it. But um, there's now getting to be a body of knowledge about how to do this. I mean, on one hand, it means everything. On the other hand, it means nothing. But it's important in terms of having our community's music recognized. If we can do this, we can show other artists how to do it. And it's my hope that this is then the beginning of a series of chant artists being recognized. You know, if we get a Grammy or even if we don't, I'm personally gonna focus my efforts next year to making sure that other chant artists get recognized. And this is all a process of learning, but us adding to the community knowledge of what, what needs to be done, but having walked through this once and now twice, I certainly will be available to other people who are nominated to say, this is what you do. We had advice from Lily who won a Grammy last year, two years ago. And, and, and that's what we have to do. You know, it, it's our Dharma to assist one another. 
and not to insist on our own glory, but also to like shine the light on others. Yeah. You know, that that's what's in our music as well. And that's that's the vision of the world that is emerging. I think, you know, that it's the it's the old way to to put other people down and people are still doing it. But, you know, the new way is love. The new way is lifting each other up, forming community, being together, you know, caring about each other. What a beautiful world we can create if we just all realize the power that we have if we come together, you know, come together. Charan Kamala Pajama Shiguru Charan Kamala Pajama mind if I ask one more question? Uh, I'm sorry. I was just curious. I mean, anticipating this, I was wondering, uh, Dave and Madi, like, did it feel differently to receive the news of the nomination under the new name than it did, you know, when you were nominated the first time under the new age? Like, was there any difference in the way that you received that, the way you feel about it? Um, Definitely. You know, I think, you know, last time it felt like an anomaly. And I think what we're trying to do here, uh, and hopefully it shouldn't be surprising when we see Chant in, 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 in the nominee list. Yeah, I mean, I it, it did feel different this time. I mean, the last time was really out of the blue for me personally. The second one, I felt quiet inside. I wasn't jumping up and down. I, I was like, oh okay just this feels good and it feels right i i felt somehow humbled by it which is not always something i'm good at and i just felt like okay this is good for our community it my first thought wasn't like here's what i'll do with a grammy for myself i was like oh the oracle collective will be enhanced and moved along by this this gives me the credibility to like help get funding to you know do all kinds of things i just see it as an instrument of some of a greater project now so and and that's the distance that i've traveled in these six years you know it was more about myself before now it's more about how i can use this as a tool to to help others and you know if sean had been nominated i i would be asking him the questions on this interview and I would be doing everything I could support him because he'd be the guy who'd be like, okay, the Oracle Collective, you know, got a Grammy and, and here we go. And, and I hope that we can model that in the future as a way of working together as a community. That, that anything that comes to each of us individually, that we can make that accessible to everybody else for everybody else's benefit. Uh, there's a whole different way of creating an economy and a society if we work that way. I, I I get that message for the music. I hope other people do. And I hope that's where we're going. So Yeah, me too. Me too. Yep. Big thumbs up.
Thank you, guys. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much, all of you, for being here, Sean and Madi and Dave. It's been wonderful. And we're all rooting for you. We'll all be sending positive energy. February 8th? Is that the date? 5th. 5th. Sunday, February 5th. February you won't 5th. see us. No, you'll see Taylor Swift, but you won't see us. But we, we will. <laughs> well, we'll you can. The, 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 you can live stream the, um, the premiere show. So you can see us. Yeah. Well, it, even if we can't see you, we know you'll be there and we'll be sending lots of love and energy and, and you know, hopes that this is going to help move this music into a greater audience because so many people can benefit from it. And uh, the time is now for this, you know, I think the time is now. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Kitsy.